Hello again, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. Ever since I was a little kid, I've loved reading and escaping into the pages of a book. And yep, I still love books with pictures as well. Whether visual or written, stories are a wonderfully creative way to communicate ideas. I tend to tell personal stories, but I also enjoy wildly fantastic stories that could only come from imagination. And when it comes to art, storytelling is a very important skill to develop. Each line, shape, and color is a cast member that plays an important role in the things we sketch and paint. Yet, in the end, it's an ensemble cast of characters that come together to create the final tale. Sketchbooks, when filled, become a bit like storybooks. Granted, the visuals may seem a bit random depending on what we were studying at the time, but the story is still there. It's the story of our art journey itself. I pair my own sketches with written stories each and every day, so here's a little collection celebrating those storybook memories. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Tell a story day. Once upon a time, there was a little boy who loved sitting and reading a book. In fact, he would often be late for dinner while trying to get to the end of the next chapter. His mom would call for him and he would grudgingly put down his book and make the seemingly long, arduous walk to the dinner table. Of course he was hungry, but food always seemed to get in the way. There were entire worlds to explore and new things to learn. He wanted to find out what happened next with a curiosity that seemed to crackle under his skin. Years went by and the boy began to change. Little by little, he was growing taller and all of those books had made him wiser. He began to tell his own stories and share them with his friends. He listened closer when his grandmother told him things about her past. He hadn't really thought of those conversations as stories before, but realized now that they were. Stories just as wonderful as the ones that had made him late for dinner all those years ago. Maybe one day, he would write them all down. Maybe one day. Much more time passed, and the little boy was now what we might refer to as a middle-aged man. Time had moved by so quickly. Life was busy and hectic, and now there wasn't ever time to tell stories anymore, much less to read them or even to listen to them. But what if, just for a moment, things were quiet? What then? So the now old boy did something he had never taken the time to do before. He slowly closed his eyes and just listened. And with each breath came a glimpse of the past. All of those tales he had thought were long gone, they all came flooding back in the silence. Those many wonderful stories that he used to love once upon a time. Spinning in Circles 
when I was a kid, we would often attend an annual festival where practically overnight, a parking lot would transform into a full-fledged carnival complete with rides. I loved riding the carousel with its magical horses and sometimes other more exotic animals that nobody would actually ride in real life, like tigers. The fun wasn't really the ride itself, as it was just a bit of bobbing up and down in place with the circular contraption spun at a snail's pace. No, the real fun was simply getting to choose my own horse. Sometimes, the horses had names printed on them, but I preferred it when they didn't so I could give them a name I made up for them, since they often had golden manes and seemed a bit magical, I would try to come up with names that sounded fancy, like Xavier. I remember when I was very little leaning forward to whisper something into my horse's ear. Though I recall the act, I oddly can't remember what it was I said. Perhaps I was just calling its name I'd given it or sharing some other little thing that was on my mind at the time. I guess I'll never really know for sure what was said, but somewhere out there, there's a carousel horse who knows the truth. It strikes me that there are many little mysteries of my youth. Though many stories get retold so I'm able to remember them over time, those smaller moments have all been lost. I simply don't remember them clearly, if at all. I grew up during a time long before social media and when cameras were a single-use object that required film. Today, you can capture memories and share them instantly, forever logging them in time and saving them to a computer. Videos can be shot with your phone in the moment. This is certainly more efficient than those boxes of photos that end up lost in a move from one house to the next. And I would love to have videos of my little self, as it might spark even more memories that I've forgotten. But I also rather adore that my memories get to remain purely old-fashioned and come back to me simply as bits of family folklore or vague recollections. The feelings are all there, but many of the precise facts are now cloudy or missing entirely. It's been nice to capture so many of the ones I've had come back to me on doodlewash.com. A doodle wash is a wonderful way to inspire bits of almost forgotten history. Many people say that the way we present ourselves on social media is a better or more carefully refined version of ourselves, or at worst, a version that's simply not true at all. The latter is indeed a negative side effect of the current technology, but the former is not really that much different than the way we've always presented ourselves. I remember being handed a scrapbook of photos by friends or family when I was young. These were carefully curated images that had been pre-selected to be shown to an audience at some point. Sometimes a clever caption would appear that took a bit of extra thought to be included. This was why I thought Facebook was rather cool when it launched, as it was a digital version of precisely the same experience. Of course now, Facebook and Instagram have moved away from that entirely and added an ever-changing algorithm to the mix. This is the equivalent of looking at a lovely scrapbook and having a stranger burst into your room and flip it to page 10 before you can possibly object. It's bizarre and has made the whole experience far too unnatural to be as enjoyable as it once was. Yet in the way we still feverishly attempt to share things at least, it's rather similar to the way that we once did. Life doesn't really change as much as we think it does, because our human nature tends to keep us behaving in very much the same way, slowly and happily spinning in circles. 
born in the year of the pig. Years ago, my knowledge of the Chinese zodiac was limited to the paper placemats that I saw in Chinese restaurants. It was fun to look up your zodiac sign, even though you'd already discovered it on the last several visits. We'd excitedly say, what are you, what are you, as each family member or friend revealed the animal they were. I'm a rabbit, I'm a monkey, people would shout. As a chubby kid in grade school, I wasn't super happy to shout out my sign and have to reveal, I'm a pig. Uh, But I've always loved actual pigs and thought they were cute, so I was secretly thrilled. Although the information was meager on those little placemats, I later learned that men born in the year of the pig are thought to be optimistic, gentle, though not the best when it comes to money. They can be rather unfocused and seem lazy in some ways, but once they set a goal, they put everything they have into accomplishing it. They don't spend a lot of time in social conversations, but treat everyone warmly, and this creates a large and loyal social circle. Many of those are rather nice traits, and if my paper placemat had mentioned them, I would have shown a bit more pride to be a pig. The pig is actually the twelfth and last of all the zodiac animals. According to myth, the Jade Emperor decided the order according to the order in which each animal arrived to his party. The pig overslept. This meant he showed up last and is henceforward the last of the zodiac. Interestingly, the western zodiac tells me that I'm an Aries, symbolized by a ram, and it's the very first animal in the zodiac. So I'm literally coming in first and last place simultaneously, which on further reflection explains quite a lot about my crazy life. Rams are adventurous, hopeful, generous, and curious to name a few things attributed to this sign. Those are the lovely traits. They are also seen as impulsive, naive, and impatient. The latter is actually quite true, of course, but I guess the positive traits balance everything out. Unless one spends a good deal of time studying these zodiac traits from either side of the world, it really just boils down to a mix of adjectives. These could easily apply to just about everyone given the day, but having them applied to me personally, combined with an animal mascot, makes me really want to believe they perfectly describe me. In truth, I've no idea if everyone born in a particular month or year possesses unique similarities. What I loved about the Chinese Zodiac as a kid was that it brought us all together in a fun and loving way. We weren't just out to a lovely dinner, we were learning more about each other and giggling at the outcome. While I love Kung Pao chicken, it tasted even better after enjoying those little placemats. And beyond simply enjoying food, I got to take a moment to cherish the people who were eating it with me. A fun reminder that though we all have wonderful things in common, it's equally fun to explore our differences. In those moments, I felt unique and wonderful. If you're wondering, Philippe's a rat. Since Ratatouille is my favorite Pixar movie, the idea that I ended up marrying a Parisian rat is rather awesome somehow. Our dog Phineas is a rat as well, so I'm rather outnumbered in my household. Though I'm not sure the Zodiac applies to dogs, and quite sure Phineas would have no interest if it did. But for me, I'm rather happy and lucky to celebrate 2019 and enjoy the fact that I was once born in the year of the pig.
Curling Up with a Book. Reading books has always been something I've loved ever since I was a little kid. I quickly moved away from picture books at a young age, preferring stories with more words and just a few illustrations that appeared like a little gift every now and then. During the summer months, you'd find me at the local library nearly every week, picking up new books to read and returning the ones I'd just finished. I was able to read extremely quickly, so books didn't last very long, but their stories stayed with me, each one creating a new place to visit again and again in my mind. As I get older, my love of books continued, and my bookshelves began to fill up. Each book was like a little trophy that I'd won by completing it. In my mind, I would make a silent promise to read it again one day, but with so many new stories to peruse, that's rarely ever happened. But just seeing and reading the spine of each book will bring back bits of story, time, and place of an adventure I once enjoyed. One day still, perhaps I'll return there. My childhood fascination with the library led me to begin college as an English major. I specifically wanted to be a journalist at first, but realized my penchant for imagination was stronger than my love of facts. I wanted to invent places and characters, not simply describe what was in front of me. I took a creative writing course that was probably one of my favorite classes of all time. My instructor came up with a really fun exercise that made me actually want to show up to class, and more importantly, write more. She gave us an assignment of writing a short allegory, and in my enthusiasm, I went home and wrote the first eight chapters of a book. I chose a library as my theme in honor of my childhood days spent there. Next class, I asked her what I should do, and she smiled and suggested I simply turn in one chapter for the assignment, and that would suffice. I chose chapter 7, but I'm not entirely sure why, and although it was a fun read but no masterpiece, I ended up publishing it years later with the admittedly odd title of Miser Snoot and the Bibliomaniacs. I didn't provide the illustrations as I hadn't started drawing yet. That would come next as I decided to switch majors and pursue a studio art degree with an emphasis in computer animation. Still not traditional art or painting, but thankfully I had to take a couple drawing classes, which I absolutely loved. But I never drew anything after that, as my career took a very different turn. Reading was something that remained a constant, however, and it's still the same today. Though I have far less time to read these days, I can still manage to devour a book every now and then. I still love getting lost in stories of people and places that seem vaguely familiar, yet totally new and unexpected. Great stories become things that we ourselves can adapt and feel like they're part of our own lives. No matter how incredible the tale, there are always bits that make us feel like we've lived something quite similar once upon a time. For these reasons and so many more I can't describe right now, I'll always love the relaxing thrill of curling up with a book. Storybook Mushrooms 
Perhaps the most illustrated and famous mushrooms are the ones known as fly agaric. The bright color is no doubt what makes them attractive, and that's why they're chosen to create a whimsical setting in storybooks. Some have thought them to be the inspiration for the mushroom in Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland due to their psychoactive effects that could indeed make one feel smaller or bigger. Reindeer actually adore these hallucinogenic mushrooms and will actively seek them out to eat, causing rather odd behavior so one has to wonder if they might feel like they're actually flying. This has led others to suggest these mushrooms even inspired the colors used in Santa's suit and the key magical elements to that story. And for anyone who loves video games, Super Mario wouldn't be the same without a little fly agaric power-up to make the character larger or smaller. Despite being classified as poisonous, their unique qualities have fascinated humans and inspired stories for centuries. That's quite an impressive feat for a little bit of colorful fungus. It's always fascinated me to learn the origin of stories. I love finding out bits and pieces of things that might have inspired the original creator. And the level of imagination in these stories has created something timeless and memorable. I was reading an article today on the rapid increase in robotics and of all of the jobs it would displace in the next decade. One area that was still considered safe was a job requiring true creativity. Despite all of the incredible enhancements to artificial intelligence, it's generally believed that there's always something missing that will never quite replace the creative human brain. This was indeed comforting for me to hear, so what I would assume is missing from our robot friends is that ability to be completely illogical. To make impossible leaps of thinking and connect dots that simply don't fit together in an unexpected fashion. Algorithms by their very nature work with existing content and ideas. They can make predictions formed through patterns, but they can't replicate magical thinking. Those broad imaginative leaps of thought that have created most of the stories we hold dear to this day. I find it rather funny that we're reaching a time when a creative job is considered a safe path. So many people share a story of parents who discourage them from going down an artistic path, fearing that they couldn't get a job. Now we're rapidly reaching a place where those skills will be coveted. Sure, scientific and programming skills will indeed be highly sought in the future, but it's nice to know that creative humans will still be in demand to help guide our robot friends and give them the imagination they'll still seriously be lacking. Though technology can make our lives easier, only we can make our lives truly enchanting. I finished the article, no doubt written to add a bit of fear and sensationalism, just feeling grateful to be human. It's extraordinary to possess the ability to invent stories and create art. It's an ability that we've all had from the day we were born. Sure, it's entirely possible we could simply grow into a society that doesn't care if something is creative and unique. But that's not a story with a happy ending. So I'll leave that to the other more apocalyptic writers. In my story, I have to believe that artists and writers will become even more important to society as they continually confound and confuse those inferior robots with strange and impossible ideas like those beloved whimsical tales inspired by storybook mushrooms. 
Forgotten Little Friends. For a prompt a baby once, my mind went back to those little stuffed companions that used to keep me company when my mom couldn't be around every moment. The world was so new and terrifying with all of the odd and amazing things to riddle out. In truth, that probably doesn't change very much as we get older as there are always new challenges to face, new things to learn. I truly can't remember back to when I was a baby. I don't really remember the friends that kept me company during that time, though my mom would likely be able to describe some of them. I'm sure it was something plush and furry, with a slight smile assuring me that despite all of the strange things going on around me, life would, in the end, work out just fine. I would love to thank that little plush if I could with whatever name the adults had given to him. I was far too young to name things at the time, and soon I would be struggling to learn the proper names for things as well. So yes, I've forgotten those friends from back then, but something in my heart still holds them close. As I got older, I would learn that friends can indeed come and go throughout my life. It's so easy when your paths cross each day because of work, but land a new job and those close friends you saw every day grow more distant. We try as we might to keep the connection, and yet it's just not the same time anymore. Life moves forward, the world spins in different directions, and we continue to spin with it in our own unique ways. Though I dearly miss some of the times I shared, I'm so grateful that they happened. Each moment was a puzzle piece in my life, a thing that needed to happen to complete it and make it richer. Each one of those times has burned a place in my heart, and even when I can't be with the people I hold dear, I still hold them there. And I love each of them and feel thrilled that our paths have the distinct opportunity to cross that time. There was a reason. There's always a reason. And my life was always made better in the process. One would think that as we grow older, things like this would become easier but I found it so tough to stay connected with everyone in the throes of our adult lives. Adulting is simply not as much fun. There are problems to face, children's practices to attend, and so many things we never expected to happen. But I'm equally amazed that after perhaps months have passed that reconnecting with old friends feels like time never stopped at all. When you love someone in that very special way that can't be explained, nothing is ever really lost. A familiar look, a glance, and everything goes back to the cherished time remembered. Perhaps that's what I learned as a baby. When something feels important, you should never let go. Hold tight to the feelings that make you feel comfortable. If you do, then in the end, there's really no way your heart will ever let go of those forgotten little friends. Telling Tall Tales. When met with the prompt of textures once, my mind went to a million places at once, and then I had the inexplicable desire to doodle wash a giraffe. 
I now realize this would have been rather perfect for a prompt of patterns, but I didn't think of it in time. So I ended up with a tall and gangly creature bent down a bit so it could fit in my sketchbook. This particular angle makes him or her, I can't possibly tell with giraffes, seem to be asking, does my butt look big in this pic? Though I'm quite sure giraffes don't really bother with such silly questions, we humans, however, are capable of worrying over the silliest of things. I often find myself doing this and then giggling at myself for bothering over it in the first place. Sometimes I tell myself stories that make me amazing and almost heroic, and other times I cast myself in a rather unfavorable light. I like to think of all these stories as tall tales, those unbelievable and exaggerated stories of folk literature. Everything gets amplified and transformed into something a bit different in both directions, but somewhere in the middle exists a certain truth, which is always the same, that we're all pretty awesome in our own way. Many times I've been regaled by stories by co-workers that I know have a few embellishments thrown in. I adore these stories because a strictly documentary narrative would bore me to tears. But that's the beauty of tales like this. They are still a perfectly truthful account. They just have a bit more pizzazz and sizzle thrown in. These have been happening for years as fishermen of the olden days often told stories of that fish that got away, the one so big and incredible that it almost sank their boats. This was most often a way of saving face when failing to produce that fish in question, or any fish at all. But it's also a wild imagining of what should have occurred in the first place. A dream that almost feels real as it's retold. Sure, in the moment it might resemble a lie, but you continue to believe it's possible. Then maybe one day, it's a dream that will actually come true. I certainly don't advocate we lie to ourselves, but I do hope we take the time to dream to ourselves properly. Throwing in a dash of hope and belief, even when the story seems perfectly impossible. For my own part, I tell stories that are always true and completely confirmed by my heart. They are the most genuine version of me and life as I feel it. As I ramble out loud each and every day, I'm actually chronicling my emotions and perceptions surrounded by the most basic of facts in the matter. I'm sometimes telling a story of the side of myself that doesn't always feel confident, but it's in the telling of these stories that I realize my own power to create. Even on days when I feel stressed, tired, and finding it nearly impossible to show up to sketch and paint, I still manage to do it. And that makes me so incredibly happy. It's precisely why I constantly tell everyone who might be listening that forming a daily art habit is the most amazing thing in the world. I'm not kidding. Just join me each and every day so you too can experience the wonders that await you. I've been sketching, painting, and writing now every single day for over four years. And many of you who have joined me on this wonderful journey would know that it's entirely true. And I'm not telling tall tales. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. (laughs) 